podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net. And follow us on Twitter at CypherCast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing, My Path Takes Me Strange Places, and we'll be talking about the gray sun in its totality. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast My Path Takes Me Strange Places, we discuss the setting of Invisible Sun. We're going to talk about the gray sun today, and we're going to cover pretty much everything we have to go on from teratology. So um, a lot of the other, well, all the other suns that show up in teratology, um, they have locations and creatures in detail. Um, but in the case of the gray sun, they, they only provide creatures. Uh, for obvious reasons, the gray sun is the reality that we know outside of the game. So, you know, there really aren't any locations of note uh, in the book itself. So before we get too far into talking about what's going on in the gray sun, uh, we want to remember what the gray sun represents. Uh, and in this case, it represents lies. Uh, so it's you know, kind of the opposite of indigo. Um, there, there's a lot of, you know, comparison between the, those two suns more so than I think any other. Um, so lies for the gray sun. Um, are there any other representations that we want to pull for gray? Cause I, I don't really have any good ones. This is related to lies, but they often talk about it as uh, the gray sun as the shadow mm-hmm. cast by the invisible sun across indigo. And shadow is is equated many times with lies, but I think you could there are other meanings of shadow you could play with. Um, the gray sun is also uh, referred to as shadow, so mm-hmm. uh, like I I use it interchangeably in the game that I'm running. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I said, there's really no locations uh, for us to talk about here. Um, I I am in the middle of an arc in our campaign where the Vizlay in my group have gone to shadow intentionally. Um, and there are locations there, uh, but they've pretty much provided what all of those locations are. And they're just real world locations. Like uh, we have one, one Vizlay who's been, you know, staying at home in their nice white picket fence house. Uh, we have another Vizlay who has been going to work in an office building. Uh, we have another Vizlay who's hanging out in Germany, um, you know, setting up deals with various criminals there um, in warehouses and throughout the city. Um, but we're just making up real locations that exist in the real world. Um, there is a location that I did add to the Gray Sun for my purposes. Um, but there's, there's nothing in the book to really go off of. And I don't, I don't really think it's necessary. No, strange things can be afoot at the circle K and they can literally be at a circle K. Yeah. Um, and so there, there was a bit of 
I don't know. Was it in the Kickstarter or was it in one of the books where uh, Monty was talking about how like the Invisible Sun campaign probably shouldn't start in the Gray Sun? It was certainly in the Kickstarter. I don't recall it being written into the books. Okay. Uh, but that's it's worth discussing kind of the logic behind that because my instinct when first hearing about the game was oh well you start in the gray and you work your way out but I think even in the initial uh, Gen Con announcement either someone asked or or Monty volunteered that it is not intended to support a lot of play of escaping the, the, the narrative of escaping the gray uh, though you could return there and a lot a lot of people's initial reaction is oh okay let's start the campaign with being in the gray and then you uncover the truth of the actuality and escape into the main campaign. Yeah. And I think the intention is that we like the game wants you to pick up with the Visley being back in the real world and being used to this so that you don't spend a whole lot of time. Uh, so you don't spend a whole lot of time, uh, you know, walking through these characters, getting acclimated to how different, the actuality is from the gray. Right. And there's several reasons for that. Uh, one is the game is most of the game is built around Vizlay and what Vizlay could do. So if you started the game in the gray, you're starting the game with most of the mechanics being off the table because mm-hmm. people don't know their Vizlay yet or what that means. And there are no orders and there are all of that. Uh, also, it involves sort of a bait and switch to some extent because you're 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 pivoting the campaign early on from one type of character to a very different type of character, and that's a hard pivot to pull off. Uh, yeah. it, uh, many many GMs think, oh, it's going to be fantastic. What I'm going to do is I'm going to run people through this campaign and then reveal, no, it's not really that campaign. It's a different campaign, or you, um, or I'm going to run you through, you know, uh, like a, say a, a Wraith the Oblivion campaign where you. You don't know it's a Wraith the Oblivion campaign. The GMs starts you as human hunters or something, and then you all die and you become Wraiths. But that was the plan all along. That doesn't go over very well with players very often <laughs> <laughs> because it, it sh- they think they're going one direction and then shift over. Even in a case like this where you tell them we're starting here, but we're going to be going to this broader realm with these more powerful characters, it still has this weird transition that's very hard to pull off. Um, and if I were to try and do that, I'd probably try, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, probably try an, an entirely different game system. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, something like cult for being inside the gray. And then part, uh, the, the theme of cult and the mechanics are all built around discovering the truth of the, of the illusion of your world. And so play that game and then, okay, uh, once that truth is discovered, you've finished the arc of that game supported by the mechanics of that game. Then you transition into the much broader world of the actuality. Now you play Invisible Sun or something along those lines. But it's it's so awkward. I think that from the, the design of Invisible Sun is just don't it's not to, it's not built to try those things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's built to tell other stories. Yeah. And the, the story that I'm currently telling is the Vizlay have intentionally gone back to shadow. So this isn't, mm-hmm. you know, every once in a while a Vizlay will go back to shadow and then they'll come back out. Um, and it's the mechanic that smooths over the fact that uh, you have players who aren't going to make it to every session. So when a player doesn't show up to a session, you just say, well, they went back to shadow. They'll be back next time. 
and you don't have to justify it or ignore it. Um, because prior to this, like I didn't care, like it's not a big deal. Um, but you know, if you're more concerned about having that fiction fill those gaps, like here's a reason for why this character isn't here. Uh, but now I'm in the situation where the characters went back to gray and they went back there for, uh, a, a, they went back there for a reason. They have to go in there and get something um, to bring back out of shadow. And I wanted to talk very briefly about like, what other reasons would you have Vizley who want to go back into shadow? Um, so in the book, um, there's this group called the Hendasa and they have agents that, um, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but they have agents that would go into shadow in order to, retrieve Vizley who are stuck there. That is my understanding. Okay. Um, so that that's one reason why you might have people who are going into shadow. Um, you know, you might have Vizley uh, player characters who are working with the Hendasa to get into the gray and, you know, help retrieve specific people that they, they need to talk to or something. Um, in the case for my group, um, the Goetic made a deal with an angel um, because they biffed on their uh, colloquy roles. Um, but rather than saying, oh, it just doesn't work, the angel said, I'm going to help you out, but you need to go into the, you need to go to the gray sun and bring a, uh, an intelligent shadow back to the silver sun for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's another, you know, they are working with another agent that wants them to go in and get something specific to bring out of shadow. And the gray would be a good place to hide objects as well as people. Which leads me to another idea I had, which was, you know, there are probably Vizlay that go into the gray sun in order to find, you know, objects that are of value to Vizlay that are back in the actuality. Uh, Cause part of character creation is that, every Visley returns from shadow with something that was important and significant to them while they were in the gray. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there are other things in shadow that are valuable and something that, you know, an artifact hunter could go, you know, diving into the gray sun to find, you know, like, Oh, uh, an old mechanical typewriter, you know, bringing that back might be able to, you know, he might be able to sell that for a bit of uh, crystal. And if you want to play with sort of the theme, some of the deep themes of Invisible Sun and sort of the metaphysics uh, of it, because this will work with some groups and not others, there might be a particular lie that you need to find. That sometimes lies can be uh, powerful. And so if this is the realm of lies, you, you wouldn't go there to discover some truth, but you might go there to discover a lie. Mm-hmm. And it would start to break down this notion that we have that lies are bad and useless. Truth is good and useful. So maybe you can play with that by saying, oh, well, there's actually a lie you need to find. Oh, man, that reminds me of a moment we had yesterday where one of the characters just didn't understand. Um, didn't understand why uh, the NPC they were talking with was so... Um, I guess, hostile towards them because the Vizlay was telling this person the truth uh, and they were telling it in a, in a very 
straightforward and brusque manner and the npc just did not like hearing it um so you know it's 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 fun to kind of play around with those themes uh with the visually mm-hmm. in there um so there there are creatures under the gray sun that uh teratology calls out um so there are uh Vizlay, there are shadows um do you know if there was a specific name for the shadows that inhabit the gray do you remember what I the like don't recall uh, I thought they were just shadows there there are the shadow player characters that are supposed to be like easier to just drop into a game in case somebody wants to hop in and play with you um i don't mm-hmm. remember exactly what they're called but it's that kind of idea yeah there's, there's like shadow characters yes i think is what they were called yeah okay i, I thought <laughs> they might like have that. had something a bit more interesting but um but there are also some other creatures there are honestly there are two creatures that are like detailed in teratology um there's the emissions am i pronouncing that right uh, oh, the pronunciation sure. question is a good one, isn't it? <laughs> uh, that's, I think that's how I would pronounce it. M-I, or I-M-I-T-I-O-N, so emission. Right, um, it's like a modified version of imitation. Yes. Um, so this is a human whose features are obscured by a random creature. Um, and um, I've been using these creatures in the gray um, but I forgot that it was supposed to be like a random creature that obscures their features. And I've just been having it like whenever these things are noticed because they are hard to notice. Um, they are very stealthy. Um, but when they do get noticed, I always make a point to say, you see somebody, you see a person standing in the corner of this room. Um, but their face is obscured. Uh, in most cases it has been obscured by a Rolling Stone magazine that has David Bowie on the cover. Um, but it can be all sorts of things. Um, you know, a lot of time was spent in an art gallery. So the emissions that have been skulking about, you know, sort of watching the characters uh, when they're noticed, their their faces would be behind, you know, a sculpture or some other installation, or perhaps they're across the street and, you know, their face is obscured by a passing, uh, you know, passing truck that has something up on its bed that, you know, is just at the right height. Um, Mm -hmm. So I've been using these creatures as um, sort of like the, uh, the, mm, the surveillance system that helps maintain the illusion. Yeah. That's kind of how I, I I interpreted them. Like though it's interesting that the, um, the image that accompanies this in teratology is set in Saturn. Yeah, I, I, I've been looking at that, but is it set in? <laughs> well, okay, it is set in Saturn, but I mean, the gray sun is just the shadow that's cast by the invisible sun, as you've said. So, if you can see through the illusion that the gray sun is, is this what you would see? It could be a kind of a, almost a crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been, I haven't been doing that when the, the characters have been seeing through the illusion. Um, the way I've been describing it is like the color just sort of drains from everything except that, which is real, which is basically other Visley and, um, you know, the creatures of the gray sun. Uh, another creature in the gray sun is the shadow lamprey. 
Uh, and these are just sort of like brainless parasites that hook on to uh, uh, Vizlay and other creatures that would move between the suns. Um, so if you leave shadow, you might get a shadow lamprey that attaches to you and starts eating your intellect. Uh, and traveling between the suns, or is it traveling back and forth between shadow? When you do that, these shadow lampreys uh, get a lot nastier, and they eat a lot more of your essence. Mm-hmm. So I've had these things show up, and since we're not doing a lot of travel between uh, shadow and the rest of the actuality, I've just kind of been using these as another thing that lives under the gray sun that... Um, you know, wants to attach itself to powerful beings like Vizlay. It's another, um, if you notice it, it's another thing that uh, sort of reveals the illusion of the gray sun if you're looking for it. But these things are always invisible, um, which I kind of ignored that part of it because I wanted <laughs> to give my characters more things to latch on to, to realize like, oh, this, this whole world that we're living in isn't real. Or things to latch onto your characters. Yeah, that too. <laughs> um, so yeah, eh, Shadow Lampreys, they're, they're fun, gross little creatures. Um, but then the last one I want to talk to and talk about uh, is the major entity that is in the book. Uh, and this is Jaden Johnson. I'm not going to get too detailed into what's going on here because I think the major entities, like we've kind of not talked about them uh, just in case you want to use them in your campaign or you're listening and you're a player. Um, but Jaden Johnson is a barista who works in this um, coffee shop called Shadowed Grounds, which good name for a coffee shop. Um, but if you read through this, if you're a GM, uh, this is a an NPC, this is an entity that once again serves to reinforce the illusion of the gray sun. And I had, I had uh, Jaden show up in, in our session as somebody who's there to, you know, keep Vizlay under the spell of the illusion. And it's just another thing that helps reinforce that they're kind of an agent of whatever might be in charge of the gray sun. And they're there to, keep that illusion in place because this is how they function. This is what they want to do. This is how they build their power up. And that's, that inspired me to think of other character or other creatures for the gray mm-hmm. uh, that I, I could see something like, I think, is it mage the Ascension? There's paradox spirits and not to get too deeply into uh, that other game, but the notion is if you start breaking the rules of reality, uh, reality fights back and it fights back through these agents of the of paradox spirits that sort of punish you and hound you uh, if you are brazenly breaking the, the rules of consensus physics and things like that. Well, so if- I we ended our session last night with that very thing happening. Um, <laughs> the the Vance started throwing some pretty significant magic around. Um, I think somebody else did too. Um, oh yeah, that's right. Um, a bunch of the characters, uh, several of the characters started throwing some magic around right at the end of the session. And mm-hmm. I made it clear, like, um, uh, one of the NPCs that they had run into said, Hey, don't throw magic around while you're in the gray sun. Cause you're going to get noticed. Like the guards of the gray sun are going to 
take note of that and they're going to track you down. Uh, mm -hmm. So when they started throwing magic around, um, you know, these strange creatures started showing up and there are things that sound like horses that are chasing after the car that they're driving around in right now. Um, so mm -hmm. that's something we have to pick up with next time. So Paradox Spirits kind of lines up with exactly what I was thinking. Like you're breaking the rules of the illusion and the illusion is going to fix itself. And if you keep breaking these rules, it's going to get a lot worse for you. Right. These may be agents of the Demiurge. That is one of the sort of rumored uh, jailers of of the gray. Mm -hmm. uh, but mostly I was thinking of them as basically I would design them as creatures that were chock full of counter spells and teeth. Mm. Yes, counter spells is good. I should remember that. Yeah, just uh, opt because their focus is on on denying uh, attempts to break the rules, and so they they could just enforce the rules with with a, a great deal of strength. Uh, and I could see that being a, a very kind of interesting. You can only do this so often because their power is just to stop your players from doing what they want to do, mm -hmm. which can be intensely frustrating if you do it too often. But I think under these circumstances, uh, it actually works pretty well. well uh, if they're they're trying to stop them from doing anything that's obviously, you know, otherworldly. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're come, like as long as you're trying to get around the rules and it's subtle and it's not mm -hmm. something that people would notice, uh, or people might see it and say like, "Oh, look at that! Look at that person!" Like smacking that guy with a giant hammer like mm -hmm. that's weird and bizarre but it's not somebody blowing somebody else up with a fireball that they summoned from their hands it doesn't suggest that our understanding of reality is flawed yes it is it's just our understanding of people that why would anyone wield a hammer like that but yeah fireball or something along those lines you might then have the emission be the sort of spies or the reconnaissance system for the demiurge and then these paradox spirits or their equivalent, whatever you would call them and however you design them would be the enforcers. Yeah. And I have like a good month before I have to determine what those things are going to be. Mm -hmm. Though apparently they are horses and they at least start as horses chasing down, which is a fun visual. Uh, you could also draw from other mythology for things like the wild hunt. Ooh, yeah. Um, and use that as sort of because then the question is, can the paradox spirits or, you know, can these uh, creatures of anti-magic seem magical? Uh, do they have to attack the players only privately so that they can't be seen because they themselves would tip off that there's more going on in the world around us? Um, or, you know, how obvious can their attacks be? Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm still working on that one, um, but it's late at night and they're out on the country roads. So hopefully, mm -hmm. hopefully it'll work out well for the, uh, the paradox spirits. If you want to get fun announce, this is kind of inspiring in terms of uh, mechanically, you might even have fun stuff where they, they give people the equivalent of D and D disadvantage dice. Ooh, yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, for their, any magical spell like they, Oh, now they have, you have another die and you take the lower of them. Mm -hmm. or something along those lines. And and I'm just trying to think of ways to sort of make anti-magic less uh, boring um, and less frustrating than simply, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> Other ways to make it more energetic and lively. Yeah, I think introducing some extra dice like that would be a good way to go. Uh, but then also 
giving just flat out denying spells and magic if the characters are trying mm-hmm. to wield that i think if i were going to do that it would just be like no it doesn't work here's a despair <laughs> yes you may and it, it's only appropriate that when it, journeying into the gray they just start loading up on despair <laughs> yeah it's been happening um <laughs> a little bit of despair's happened <laughs> Well, if uh, anything, our uh, off-the-books game at Gen Con proved that baristas can really make a difference. <laughs> sure, they sure can. Uh, any other creatures or anything you want to talk about before we wrap this one up? I, don't know, I think that's that's inspiration. There's not a lot in the game itself, but hopefully this provides some inspiration for how you can add your own uh, creatures in opposition for the gray and some ideas on how to use the gray without letting the gray kind of take over your campaign. Yeah, so have fun in the real world. if we have to. This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad, uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha- help people find us.